Let's make today the day you start the business that will change your life. You'll learn how at Income School. Income School is about taking your income into your own hands by creating a website that people will love, building a following, and earning a living online. And now your host, Jim Harmer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Income School. Surprise, this isn't Jim Harmer. This is Ricky Kessler. I am here with my good friend, Jim Hartner, Jim Harmer. And <laughs> you don't even know my name. I don't even know your name, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I've only known you for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we're, we're here tonight and we're really excited to talk uh, about something a little bit new and something a little bit different for, for Income School. Uh, we're yeah, gonna actually we usually be, talk about yeah. only online stuff. And yeah, today right. We're, we're going a little bit offline. That's right. And this is actually the area that I've had a little more experience. Uh, the, the online stuff is still fairly new to me. So I'm pretty excited to, to talk about it and as well um, to get some of your experience so far, uh, Jim, as you're venturing into, uh, into physical businesses. Yeah. So I, I, online business is awesome. Obviously, I love online business. You know, it's, it's how I earn my income has been for years. But uh, and there are some huge benefits to working online. Uh, you know, the fact that there's it c- doesn't cost anything to get your digital product to somebody. I mean, very little. Uh, whereas, right. you, you know, you don't have to buy widgets and have inventory and all that. And at a local store, you can only touch so many people who are right around you. And with an internet business, I mean, I, I checked the other day with something like, 15 million people came to my website last year. It's like crazy. So there's awesome things about doing an internet business. But lately, I've been interested in doing some physical, you know, real brick and mortar kind of businesses. Uh, and obviously, they work because there are a lot of them. That's how <laughs> most people earn their income. And I'm wanting to diversify and frankly, kind of experiment and try something that I haven't done before. So the business that I am starting is going to be in Lehigh, Utah. That's about a six-hour drive for me. But my business partner uh, that I'm working on for this project lives down there, and I, we decided his region is good. The idea is it's basically a laser tag place, but you use a Nerf gun instead of a laser tag gun. And there's one here locally in Boise. There are a few around the country. I I went to the one here in Boise. I did a lot of poking around online because I thought, man, this place is slammed with business. There are like a million 10-year-olds in this place. This place is earning bank. And it's just, you know, a warehouse that they set up some cardboard boxes as bunkers and kids are shooting each other with Nerf guns and they're making bank. And so I started looking into it more and more and more. And I thought, this is actually a pretty viable business. And so I thought, well, Boise already has one of these stores. It's kind of a new thing. It would be nice to hit a different market. I found the market just south of Salt Lake is prime. There's nothing else around there. And I've, I, my brother-in-law would be an excellent business partner. So he's going to do all the day-to-day operations, sitting in the store, running things, everything. And I'm investing the money to make the, the business run. And so I'm really excited about this physical business. And Ricky, you've done a physical business as well, actually in a really similar vein. So tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. When I uh, first got out of school and I moved to Virginia, I was working as an engineer. Um, but again, I, I immediately knew that entrepreneurship uh, was something I wanted to be involved in. I wanted to be in control of my own finances and in control of my own time. 
So I started experimenting a little bit with businesses. Um, while I was out there, I had two good friends, uh, both engineers, uh, but they both have pretty different personalities than me, which actually makes them excellent business partners because we, uh, we complement each other in terms of the way we think about things. But anyway, uh, we started thinking about the area where we lived. We were in kind of the middle of the Appalachian Mountains, or as we say it in uh, Southwest Virginia, the Appalachian Mountains. Um, <laughs> oh man, right in the middle of the National Forest, uh, Jefferson National Forest, just a beautiful area with tons and tons of open wooded land. And we started thinking about the, the towns where we lived, uh, pretty small towns that the whole county had about 10,000 people. And we realized there were a lot of teenagers there, two high schools in this county of 10,000 people, and uh, they really didn't have a lot to do in their free time. We started thinking, well, this is a, a, you know, a pretty good target demographic, not to mention that just outside the county uh, was Virginia Tech, um, a, a pretty good size uh, university with a, a great engineering school and, and other excellent programs. Um, but anyway, so we had a lot of college students around too. Um, and a couple other small colleges in the region. So there was, there were a lot of people that we could reach in this sort of high school to college age area. I mean, this kind of target demographic. And when we got to thinking about what we could do, how we could, you know, leverage the area where we lived, we decided upon uh, paintball. A lot of people in the area really like to hunt. A lot of people like to shoot. A lot of people like being outdoors. And we thought, you know, paintball is kind of ideal for that. There was only one other paintball field in the whole area within about an hour drive. And it was a field that was kind of taken over by the the more uh, professional types, you know. Um, <laughs> in paintball, you got kind of the speedballers that are... Um, most of them are sponsored. Most of them are on teams. They have really expensive paintball guns. And you just can't compete with them, can't really play with them and have a good time. You're looking for more of the weekend warrior. Exactly. We're looking for those guys that just want to go out and have a good time and play paintball. People like me. <laughs> I hadn't really played much paintball before then, and but it was enjoyable when I was playing with other people at my level. So anyway... So- so how did, how did you decide this would be a good business? I mean, you saw the market was there, but, you know, what was it about? Did you run? Obviously, I'm sure you ran the numbers before you were, you, you know, plunked down money and were ready to start the business. What was it about the numbers that made you say this is a good physical business rather than, you know, opening, opening up a, a, a plumbing service or something else? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we did run some numbers. Uh, my numerical analysis has improved dramatically since that time. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, as an engineer, I, I could understand the general concepts of uh, return on investment. So um, we did run some numbers. And what we saw was in the area, we could, we could leverage the fact that we had all of this free open land and keep our costs really low. So the cost of running the business ended up extremely low. I mean, we had to buy some equipment. Um, About how much was the initial investment? So uh, a Tipman 98 paintball gun with the um, the air canister and everything's about 120, 130 bucks. We bought them in, in sets of 10. So we bought 20 of them. Um, and so we actually got a discount on that. So 20 paintball guns at about 100 bucks a piece. So two thousand okay. dollars for the paintball guns. There were some. There were some other costs. We bought. Um, we bought a, a full pallet of uh, cases of paintballs, uh, <laughs> which is pretty expensive to do all in one go. But man, that's a lot of paintballs, and man, we got a good deal on it. Um, so total cost all in, 
four to five thousand dollars. I mean, something okay, that's cheap. That's yeah. awesome. And split between I, three three engineers. I mean, that was something that we could all do, and it felt like if we lost it all, it wasn't going to be a big deal. Right, and I think that's a key, really, for starting any business. I don't really think there's ever a time that you should say, "I'm going to start a business, and if this fails, I am in serious trouble." That's uh, that's a pretty scary place to start a business from, and so and that and that's the situation that I'm in too. You know, uh, my business to start is is a bigger capital investment, but it's a not. It's not enough that it, you know, it would hurt if it if it if it went down. Nobody wants to lose their money, but it's going to be just fine. So our initial investment is going to be forty thousand, mostly because we didn't have the benefit that uh, that you had of 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 the land being being cheap. We we've got to rent a physical space, which in this in this geographic area that's very high traffic is about four thousand dollars a month. So that's by far our biggest expense because everything else is going to be teenage labor. Absolutely. And and going forward, your expense, I mean, that's going to be a huge part of your expense. Your other big expense is probably going to be a salary for your business partner. Unless he's unless he's um, an equity only partner and he's just getting a piece of the profits. In which case that's, yeah. I mean Yeah, that's right. So I'm I'm putting up all the cash, he's putting in the time. Right. So he's what we decided together is that nobody takes a salary until the end of the year. At the end of the year, we see how much money's in there, and we cut a check 50-50. Gotcha. So, so it's more of a, an equity situation where basically you're going to give yourselves a dividend, which is um, the difference between a dividend and a salary in tax purposes is none. I mean, dividends right. are taxed at, at the same rate. So Yeah, it's money um, coming to you, so who cares what it is? Right. Yeah. But basically, you're paying yourselves equally based on how much equity in the company you own. Not you're not paying him a salary for his time, right? In addition, and that to was key for dividend. me because I thought because I ran the numbers and I was really excited by the business in general because I said, you know, I I went to this place locally a lot of times and I said, man, there are like 50 kids in there every time and they all paid 10 to 15 dollars to get in the door. Yeah, and so. Uh, that's a lot of money that they earned in one hour and you look around it's just teenage labor and a warehouse this is a good business and so I the, the our target is if we can have 20 kids in there at every open hour now that's not gonna happen sometimes it's gonna be five and sometimes it's gonna be 50 but if we can get an average of 20 kids in there every hour that we're open which is only going to be after school and weekend uh, we would make $300,000 at the end of the year gross and our net is going to be somewhere around 240 something like that. Nice. So that's that's kind of our projection. Projections are always sound great on an Excel <laughs> document until you start putting them in real terms. But I, I've run the numbers on so many businesses that, you know, I, I get an idea, run home, you know, pop through some expenses that I think are reasonable. And it's like, ooh, yeah, those guys aren't making any money. Yes. <laughs> but I saw this one. I thought, those guys are making real money. Uh, you know, that's that's a pretty easy business to start. The risk is moderate. And uh, and my kids are going to love it every time we go to Utah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a, a, a nice point that you make there, Jim, about the numbers. Um when you run numbers for a business, there obviously there's no way that you can know what's going to happen. There there are expenses that are going to hit that you just didn't really think about, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there, there are costs that come up for 
I mean, there might be a permit that you end up needing that you didn't know you need, or there might right. be things, things will come up. And so when you run numbers for a business and it looks like it's barely break even, that should be a red flag for you. Huge <laughs> red fat flag. Yeah. Because uh, when I run the thing, numbers, I like to do the 50% wrong test. Yeah. That's oh, run the go. numbers and be really cautious when you run the numbers and then put it through the 50% wrong test. If I'm 50% wrong on my expenses or I'm 50% wrong on the income, what's hap- what's going to happen then? Right. And the answer here is still it's worth it. And so yeah. it this is the first time that I've I've had a physical business in my Excel sheet and I've ran a lot through and I thought, "Okay, you know, I'm actually ready to plunk money on the table for this." So I, anyway, I'm excited about it, but I want to hear from you some of the struggles you had in running a business like this uh, so that I can uh, see how 50% <laughs> wrong I was. What what was your biggest struggle in running your paintball business? Well, there was there was one was a pretty good size risk in the uh the location, right? So we had free national forest land and we actually worked out kind of an arrangement with the park rangers uh where they actually designated a space and put a sign up as a paintball field but it was open to the public it was open to anyone so if we showed up on a saturday to try to run an event and there were other people there we couldn't kick them off um now we so so there was always kind of that risk that we would bring people to to an event you know you'd have some kid's birthday party and they'd all show up there and the field would be taken. That rarely happened, but it was a risk that we had to deal with. So to deal with that, we we scoped out some other areas just down the road where it would be really easy for us to just sort of move on and, and use a different area. That wasn't that big of a deal. Um, another big... Or say, hey, kid, here's a 20. Go down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, the people that mostly used that field were... The, there was a paintball club at Virginia Tech, and we actually had a really nice partnership with them. Um, they would pretty much play, they'd play on that same field and they'd pretty much only play on Sunday and we didn't run any events on Sunday. So that worked out perfect for us. Um, they referred people to us. We kind of used them for some, uh, some information about the sport. (laughs) All three of us had kind of played a little bit before, but none of us was an expert in paintball. We started a paintball business and none of us really knew <laughs> much about the the paintball industry, how things work, how how competitive paintball is done. So that club was invaluable for us. Um, other another big struggle was the area was was pretty spread out. Um, the place where we played was probably twenty minutes, twenty to thirty minutes from Virginia Tech, so it was not too far for for college students. But we had to market to them, and we had to do it cheaply. I mean. We were we were basically trying to run this business, uh, super bootstrap. yeah, totally bootstrapped, and we were we were trying to be super low price. The idea was exa- to, was to target exactly like you said the the weekend warrior. The we called it the the recreational paintballer as opposed to the more competitive paintballer. Just the people that want to go out and play, and it I'm surprisingly isn't a very big industry, or at least. It's, it's a gap. It's a gap in the market. There aren't a lot of paintball fields that cater to that because those people only want to pay 10 to 20 bucks to go play paintball. Um, right. they, don't want to, they don't want to rent a $1,000 gun. They want to rent a $100 Tipman 98. They don't want to pay $50 a case for paintballs like the competitive guys do. They want, they want to 
use the $20 case from Walmart. Um, and those, those paintballs just dirtied up our guns like crazy. So we got a good deal on paint and provided it for them at about the price of Walmart paint, but it was much better. Um, basically we were running on a lower, yeah, it was a, it's still about a 50% margin, which is still pretty good. Um, but we were trying to keep our prices really low, which meant we had to keep costs down. So we didn't have a lot of money for local advertising. Um, and so what did you do to, to advertise or market the business? There was a ton of word of mouth. We, well, okay, here's kind of a trick we did for the internet. Um, advertising a local business and getting getting seen on Google is a lot easier for a local business than it is for like a, a blog or a new website. And the reason I say that is because we were able to <laughs> have a, a physical business location, which was my, one of my business partner's house was our physical business location. We put that on Google Maps and created a Google Place, created a business, and then anybody that was in the area that searched paintball fields, there are only two in the area. And so that little map result that comes up very first on Google, we were there. We were right there at the top of the first page. We didn't have to pay a penny for that. So yeah, that is cool. And I, I, when I did a photography business in Florida, I was always worried by listing a home address that you know people would just be showing up to my. Nobody ever did, no. not once. Nope. And uh, you know, maybe if you're, it depends on the business. You know, maybe right. if it's a, uh, you know, some kind of retail store and you list it as your house, people may show up. Uh, but I think for most of these service businesses, people are going to call. People are going to go to your website. I, I think it's pretty rare that somebody's just going to show up at your door. And exactly. so I, I think it's it's worth getting that Google Map result and, and listing it at your house. Maybe list your garage or something. Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> on that Google Map result, we you know, there's a spot there for your phone number, for your hours, and for your website. And we built a website, drove people to the website. The website explained kind of how our business worked. And people would just call and set up um, set up events, birthday parties. Um, we hosted the Virginia Tech baseball team one time, um, all sorts of things like that. And, and the other thing that we did was we just, we were really nice to people. <laughs> people really enjoyed coming out and playing with us. Um, and we got a lot of repeat customers and, and you imagine somebody comes for a birthday party, they might not come again for another year, but we actually had some people that came, you know, all three years that we were there running that business. Um, that's pretty cool. And then they told their friends, you know, you, you get 10 kids come to this birthday party and now you got 10 kids that go home and say, Hey mom, for my birthday party, I want to go play paintball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it spread quickly. Uh, the, the paintball club at Virginia tech, we used them and they, they kind of told as people were interested in kind of learning paintball, they kind of helped out a little bit there spreading the word so around. Where did your very first customer come from? Cause word of mouth is great. Once there are mouths. How, where did your very first customer come from? Do you remember? Our absolutely very first customers came from uh, <laughs> all of the the three of us all worked with the local youth at our church, and so we invited them out to come and play. We invited um, other people from church, other people from work that we knew to come play. That was the very first customers. Those guys, most of their friends, we already knew. And we were, you know, it was kind of a invited small them to come for free or, or asked invited them, to come them we asked them to come play and pay if they had their own equipment, they didn't have to rent ours. Fine. That was fine. Um, we, we charged them about half price, pretty much broke even, but some uh-huh. of them told their friends and invited their friends and came multiple times. 
Um, where we started getting it really branch out was actually when we did a uh, we did a Groupon and we did a local version of the Groupon. Uh, a local news station had their kind of version of it. Now, for Groupon, I have to say that uh, it's actually fairly expensive to do, and I say yes, that because I agree. yeah, because when you do a Groupon, you have to sell the Groupon at a discount from your normal price. Mm-hmm. So if we normally charge twenty dollars for a rental, and that rental cost us probably eight dollars. Um, we had to discount it to $10 and then Groupon keeps half of what's left. Yep. So every single Groupon was, and actually our cost was even lower than that because we still broke even on the Groupon. Um, where we actually made money there though was <laughs> um, about 80% of Groupons actually get redeemed. Only about, right. about 20% don't. For us, it was actually lower, about... 60% maybe got redeemed. So we actually came out okay. Um, and and we were net positive. But I have to tell you, if you're going to use a, a something like Groupon, look at that as a cost. You may not you may not be positive on those sales, but if if you think it's an effective strategy for reaching out, and for us it was, uh, consider that a marketing cost. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good point. You know, everybody I talk about that's done a Groupon or, or a living social deal, mm-hmm. they all say, yeah, it worked okay. It's kind of everybody's response that I've had. Yeah. And it was <laughs> the same for me that we did on Improved Photography. Uh, we did a Groupon and a living social feature at different times. And we even got featured on the national Groupon, you know, the, uh-huh. the deals that it shows to, well, nationally. Um, so we're really excited about it. And it just flopped man it was terrible because the the redemptions were all kinds of screwed up uh the way that people would come in groupon was advertising it at the wrong times that they had told us and the margin is so low i did find i talked to one of their account reps uh and i you know i we were we were talking numbers and and i said and and what's your cut and he says uh usually 50 percent and i said Usually, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it is I negotiable. Thought, that means negotiable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we we tried it and uh, and we cut it off pretty quick. I, I yeah. you know, I was hoping that it would do a lot better than it did, but it was such a hassle and 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 people want it so at such a discount that it's to, for us it wasn't a good deal. Yeah. And another thing is, I was at, at our family reunion over Christmas. I we were talking about going to a local business and somebody said said, Oh, let's not go there right now. They have groupons all the time. Let's go in there's a group on <laughs> And I thought, Ooh, ouch, that's the problem with Groupon. Yep. Once you're there and if and it works, then you're like, do more groupons. And suddenly nobody goes unless there's a groupon deal. Yeah. And they wait. They don't go when it is an opportune time waiting for the groupon, and they're never gonna remember. They're just gone. Once somebody's had your service at a discount, they'll never want to pay full price. Exactly. And so we, my business partner for this other business and I decided hard rule, there will be no coupons, there will be no sales, there will be no flash deals. The price is the price. We want kids to come and never think about, is this the right day to go? They just go. Yeah, sure. Well, and that's and that's a really good point. And... It's important that if you're going to use one of these, you know, like a Groupon type tactic, 
it's important that you understand what you're getting into. We did it as a one-time deal and we knew it was a one-time deal. Um, if people were waiting for a second group on, it never came. And and to be honest, we got a lot of one-time customers through that group on, but we got a handful of good repeat customers. That's good. And, and a number of them branched out. I mean, we had one guy who... Uh, and here's the thing. The, the, the business never grew huge. We were on a good trajectory to grow even more. And then, um, and we got the business to where we weren't even having to run it. We had another guy running all the events for us. Um, and then, and then we all moved. <laughs> Our jobs took us elsewhere. So it was... And you're like, I'm taking my paintball gun and yeah. leaving. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. And, and so, you know, we didn't, we, we hoped to get to a situation where we could sell the name, sell the brand, sell the equipment, whatever. And and what it came down to was we just weren't established well enough yet. And there wasn't another player in the area that was willing to do that. So we didn't get to experience the selling of the business part, but but we were on a good trajectory. But but um, kind of what I was saying before, we had this, this one guy who um, I, I think he had us out for four, four or five events. And he even had us come to his property, which was great. Um, and he hosted youth church events uh, for his church and, you know, paid for it all up front. And, and those events were pretty lucrative because that's like 20 rentals. And, and those guys, when they play, they just want to play for two or three hours. They go through a lot of paint and they buy our paint. Um, so, so those events were actually really good. And that, and that is kind of what came out of the Groupon was the people that were really satisfied with us. And every one of those events had a few new customers. And so the the word of mouth was really spreading. And I think that without the Groupon, it would have been tough to get that in that area. We, we used social media. Um, but again, social... I mean, we weren't trying to reach out to the whole country. We we're trying to reach the local area. And normal local advertising, if we tried to do like a TV ad, it would have been... It would have broken the bank and it probably wouldn't have worked. Um, yeah. Honestly, the most effective thing that uh would work for local there would have probably just especially for that region probably would have just been flyers flyers around campus and flyers um in the parking lot at walmart where all the teenagers like to hang out uh, <laughs> um you know just i think you have to understand the demographic and you have to understand the area and and what people use uh, a radio ad probably would have worked better than a tv ad in that area to be honest um there were things we could have done, but we were trying to keep the cost so low and we were, you know, we were bootstrapping the thing from almost nothing. So we, I mean, we just tried to use as much free advertising as we could. And honestly, we grew at a rate that was pretty much perfect for what the three of us could handle. We could pretty much handle Saturdays until we hired an employee. And then, and then in the summer we could pretty much do any day. So we couldn't handle much more than what we got. And the, the growth rate was perfect for us. Um, and the Groupon really was key to getting that started. So for us, it was worth it. I would say for most people, be really cautious about using those kind of services because it is really expensive. Yeah, and I was thinking about ways that I could advertise cheaply or for free. And I, I thought of a, well, our, our main strategy is just to get people in the door. Like you you right. said that, uh, uh, you know, you started just by, you know, talking to your friends and then it kind of spread from there. And from word of mouth. And so our thought is, you know, if we can get our target market is eight year olds to 12 year olds, uh, older kids play too for sure, even adults, but eight to 12 is our target and even younger kids. 
Um, and so we just need, you know, 2008 to 12 year olds to come through that door in the first month. If we can do that, I think we're going to be, we're going to be okay. Yeah. And so we don't want to give anything away for the problem we talked about earlier. And so we thought about, about how, how we're going to get them through the door. And so our main strategy is talking to scout groups, church groups, any kind of nonprofit, you know, sports teams and giving the team, the group, the troop, <laughs> uh, free entrance on Wednesday nights. So Wednesday nights, it's free if if a group, a nonprofit group, can sign up to come and bring their group in. And so then the individuals who come in don't feel like you know I got a free pass as much as I'm you know I, I'm in this group because um, when you're in a group, often you'll get into things without paying you know individually. Right. And so we're just going to let groups come through like crazy, and that costs us almost nothing. You know, uh, one or two teenagers to kind of be the referees, uh, teenage employees. That's going to be very cheap. And if we can get a ton of kids pumping through there. Before school ends, we're opening this our business in May. So there's one month where they're still talking to their buddies at school, and then school ends and they're bored. And we're hoping they'll they'll make it a regular thing to come back. And so we're that's our main strategy is getting people through the door on Wednesday nights. That's just kind of our night that we're closed to the public and just getting people in just for the first month or two. And then our second strategy I thought of last week. Somebody was passing around, actually a mutual friend of ours, who was passing around on social media something like 50 things to do in in the Boise Valley before you die. And it was like I saw it on Facebook like 10 different times that yeah, day. Yeah, I saw that. And, and uh, I thought, huh, why don't I just write one of these for Lehigh, Utah and create 50 things to do in Lehigh, Utah dot uh, com, write a, an article, a good one. You know, and it's specific to Lehigh, Utah, 50 things to do. Like, that's going to get shared pretty good in Lehigh, Utah. And what's going to be on the list like 15 times? The Nerf <laughs> business. <laughs> so I, I, that's, you know, that's one that'll take, you know, a couple hours to put together. Sure. Uh, just get a few people to share it. And, and I'm hoping that that'll get passed around enough that that'll help get the word out as well. Very inexpensive. And that's kind of mixing the the skills that I've learned from online and taking that to the offline world. And there are some real benefits to doing that. Well, we've talked about a lot of stuff about running in a physical business. We didn't even get yet into a lot of the nitty gritty of, of insurance and taxes right. and, and permits and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, getting buildings, a lot of that kind of thing, which is much more complicated than you may think if you haven't had a physical location. But, uh, but I, I think this this was an interesting at least primer into the offline world. This is signaling a little bit of a change for us at Income School. We always talk about online stuff. We will always talk about online stuff. But you know what? Online is not the only way to earn money. And probably it's not smart to only earn your money online. We all want to diversify and make sure our income is secure. And so we're going to talk about all of the income methods that we're interested in, uh, that we're actually using to create as much wealth as possible. Well, Ricky, it was a pleasure talking with you today, and yeah. we will catch you next week. Awesome. When you're serious about launching your website, check out Jim's free step-by-step -step tutorials at IncomeSchool.com. 
Income schools, production of Improv Photography, LLC. Any opinions expressed by guests and callers do not reflect those of Improv Photography, LLC. Results mentioned not typical. Some links mentioned are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Some calls simulated. Improv Photography, LLC is not a law firm and does not give legal or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a competent licensed CPA or lawyer licensed in your jurisdiction before making business decisions.